Welcome to episode 25 of the Heart Driven Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Amanda and Kingsley. And in this episode, we're joined by Erin Lindwell from Matcha UT as we dive into the world of matcha. Hey, we're Amanda and Kingsley, and welcome to the Heart Driven Hustle podcast. If you're sick of watching from the sidelines as others achieve their business dreams, we're here to demystify the entrepreneurial journey, cut through the clutter, and overcome the overwhelm so you can feel confident launching your own wellness side business. If you'd love to get hold of our side hustle quick start guide so you too can create your own passion project, head over to heartdrivenhustle.com forward slash hustle guide. In today's episode, we had the pleasure of chatting with Erin from Matcha UT. Unashamedly obsessed by matcha green tea from her many trips to Japan, Erin's mission is to help others enjoy the many health benefits of regularly drinking it while also looking after planet Earth with her eco-friendly home compostable packaging. Listen in for a bit of matcha education and to hear about the really unique way that Erin tested the waters first to ensure that the Australian market was ready for this delicious tea powder before taking the leap to launch her business. So let's dive in. Welcome, Erin. It's so great to have you on the show. Um, Today we have Erin from Matcha UT and we'd love to hear all about your story, all about your products and really share with our listeners your journey throughout business and and also around the health side of things too. So first of all, I'd love to, to give people a bit of an idea of what exactly is Matcha Tea. It's something that a lot of people may have heard of, but they may not really know what it is. Oh, for sure. It's Essentially, matcha is stoned ground green tea leaves. So the tea leaves, yeah, picked and then the stems are removed from the tea leaves and they are dried, steamed, and then the final process is stone grinding. In the past in Japan, they used to do the stone, stone grinding by hand, but now they have fancy machines that do that for them. But yeah, the word in Japanese, ma and cha, so ma means to, to grind or to ground down something, and cha is tea, so it really is, that is the basic meaning of the word matcha. Yeah, and it was drunk, it originated in China actually, and a monk brought seeds over from China to plant in Japan. So the matcha tea culture really got going in Japan centuries ago uh, but the first uh, yeah the first seeds were did come from China but it's such a amazing uh, culture that's been part of their you know history for years hundreds of years but yeah that's yeah much in a nutshell (laughs) wow that's that's interesting because I always just assumed it was a different type of tea plant so you're saying it's the like a green tea plant and yes. it's just uh so it's the the tops the f- the fresh sprouts i suppose yeah at the top. that's that's exactly right so it's mm-hmm. the same tea plant camellia sinesis which a lot of tea is brewed from everything from you know black oolong all of it green in all its variations so yes the the youngest freshest leaves from the top of the plant are selected to make matcha but I did remember I did forget to um 
mention an important factor with the way it's grown that makes that stands it apart from other types of green tea. So it's shade cloth grown, which means in the weeks leading up to tea harvest, which is in usually in early May in Japan, around autumn or late spring rather, the tea leaves or tea plants are covered with a mesh cloth. Not mm-hmm. directly; they're, they're just it's a cloth hovering over all the tea plants, and that allows some sunlight to get in, but the majority of sunlight is blocked. And it means that the, the, the green leaves increase in chlorophyll production and it slows down the process of photosynthesis. Ah, that's a mouthful. <laughs> photosynthesis, yes. It's a tricky one. You know what I mean? So that, that is, yeah, a, a key factor with matcha and, and why it's different to other green tea, the way it's grown as well. Right. So that gives it a distinctly, incredibly green look. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That process does, does make that happen. And the greener the matcha, the better quality it is. So the greener the matcha, it means that it's the freshest tea leaves that have been picked. So that's at the start of the harvest. And if it's picked that we often call it first flush or first harvest, that means you're getting the, the kind of premium ceremonial grade type matcha. Wow, there's there's quite a bit in there. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot to it. So, yeah. So the the thing that I was piqued my interest early on was that you mentioned it being starting in China. And yes. I always associated matcha with being a Japanese tea. Yes. So is it still big in China? Uh, I think so, but if globally people know it as a Japanese tea. So even though the origin of it came from China in the eighth century the culture of like tea ceremony, which is in Japanese is known as cha no yu, that originated in Japan. And the monks used to use it as a, you know, something to help them meditate, to keep them focused on what they were doing. And also samurai used to use it to, again, kind of get that clarity and focus before going into battle. So those, yeah, those aspects of much they're very much linked to the Japanese culture and I guess over the hundreds of years that it's been grown in Japan this the techniques and methods have been so fine-tuned and the skills have been passed on from generation to generation so that culture is very rich in Japan in China there is much of that is grown but to be honest I feel the much of that's coming out of Japan is top quality because of the, yeah, as I said, the hundreds of years of experience in growing wow. up. <laughs> that is really cool. I feel like I've had just a matcha education oh, uh, in a very <laughs> short period of time. I knew a little bit about it, but certainly not to that depth. Yeah. So I'd love to learn a bit more about your business. So matcha UT, I mean, what does that look like today? I'm sure it's very different from its origins, but what does it look like today? And then we'll go back to the the story behind it. Oh, definitely. Yes. Today, well, obviously with COVID this year, it's looked a little different. We've had, we haven't been able to do the, you know, events that we usually do. So we go along to like last year, we had the Melbourne Tea Festival that we appeared at and the Japan festivals, all of them, there's about three or four through the year in Melbourne. So we're based in Melbourne. And yeah, so those things have been eliminated. So it's all been about the online side and reaching people in that way, 
trying to convey to them, you know, what something tastes like without having to being able to sample it or have a conversation in person. So it's just been, yeah, making sure I'm, you know, telling that story through social media, through my website, advertising, etc. So I've just been really focused on that. The it's the beauty of yeah, the online kind of e-commerce boom this year because of COVID has really helped me reach a lot of new customers that have, you know, you know, enjoyed the convenience of shopping online and getting it to the door. And uh, yeah, so I, I hope next year, you know, as everything starts to ease off again, we can get back into those events. But it's really, yeah, virtually, you know, speaking to the customer, whether it's, you know, Instagram Live or whatever you're doing, Q&A sessions or virtual, you know, tea afternoons or, you know, just trying to keep creative and, you know, get through, cut through, I guess, all the noise of online. So, yeah, that's kind of, yeah, it's been quite busy, which I'm very grateful for. I've had a great customer base that have supported me through this time and also have have really enjoyed drinking the tea as a source of comfort through the uncertainty. Oh, true. <laughs> You've got a product which is going to do exactly that. Yeah, and, and keep people healthy. <laughs> yes, 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 so true. It's It really is quite interesting, isn't it, how you have to pivot when you have yes. such a tactile product that people are used to seeing, touching, tasting, yes. and then trying to do that virtually. And it sounds as though you've been able to really lean into a lot of the different uh, resources and technologies that are out there to stay at the forefront and to get creative and find ways that you can still bring that experience to people and put it in front of them that is then going to help promote and and come across in a non-salesy way but more of an educational way so that they really do get to have you in their lounge room and have you in front of them and continue buying from you. Is that something that comes naturally? Are you someone that's just really quite good at being able to pivot and being quite agile in that respect? I think so. Yeah, I'd like to think I'm quite adaptable to new situations in, you know, speaking in general in life. And yeah, I think what what you've said is it is hard to, you don't want to appear to be too salesy. And I think my passion for Japan, which we'll get into it a little bit, I guess, is mm-hmm. the what I'm trying to convey to people that it comes from, you know, my heart. And I'm so, I love speaking talking about Japanese culture and sharing that with other people and also that I love people really reaping the health benefits of drinking good quality matcha. There's a whole thing with, you know, a lot of matcha is not that good in quality and mm-hmm, people have poor true. drinking experiences and I, I like to make sure that people, you know, experience the the best tasting matcha so they continue to make it part of their daily ritual. I mean, you know, I I do have a, a, a little girl and I work another part-time job, which is quite typical with side hustles. And, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, just trying to do all the things. And matcha is such an important part of my day, like to, to have that in the morning to set me right, to, you know, to keep me focused and calm and, let you know, put those anxious thoughts mm-hmm. at bay. It's so important. So I really want other people to also reap those benefits. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like you're really embodying what you're all about. It's yeah. not just uh, something that a business that you've started because, hey, it's something I can sell. It is not something that you are passionate about. It's something that you want to work into your life and it is part of your life. Yes. And so, yeah, it, it's you can really see that coming through. Oh, good. That's so, what I hope. <laughs> 
I'd love you to, to take us back. You've mentioned about your love of Japan. So how did Matcha You actually all come to fruition? How did it arise? Yes, sure. So it goes way back. And so it, it started when I was 13. So I was in, just started high school and I was presented with the option, you know, well, actually I think it was compulsory to study Japanese for that uh, year. Yes, I had the same thing actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I can't speak the language now and oh, I certainly haven't got a business related to it. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, yeah, from that point when we started learning the language and learning about the culture, I just, my ears pricked up and I just was hungry for the information about the culture because it was so different and unique and quite, you know, mysterious. And I always wanted to travel there. And I actually even further back in, I think in primary school, I did a school project on Japan, which I'd forgotten about until recently. So it's always been there in my psyche, I think, from a long, long time ago. And I just continued studying Japanese on and off uh, up until this point through school and then uh, night school just because I wanted to keep those skills current but the the motivation was to to travel to Japan and use those skills to enhance the experience of being there I guess and so I got to 2003 and I took my first trip there and I was hooked and I, I you know loved it did you know, wandered around Tokyo on my own for a few days and, and then went Thanks. to a, a Fuji Rock Festival in like the area of Fuji National Park, which was incredible. And then I just, as soon as I came back home, I booked, almost booked my ticket for the next year to go again. So I wow. did that. I didn't know that when you're doing that. <laughs> yeah. So I explored a lot more extensively the next year. And then I, you know, I've just been going on and off every couple of years just to get my fix. And, and look, I got through to about 2010 and I decided I really want to experience daily life there and live there. And so I decided to do the working holiday visa program and, and head over and be an English teacher. So I, I decided to do that. I was married. I'm still married, <laughs> but I left, <laughs> I left my husband here because uh, it was kind of more my dream than his. So mm-hmm. he stayed, you know, held the fort here, paid the bills, you know, went on a business as usual. And I went over and did half a year. And I am so glad I pushed through that fear of, you know, leaving a great job, leaving my husband, you know, all of these things that I was so close to not doing it. And I'm so glad I did because it's shaped my life, you know, a, a thousand times for the better now. So, yeah, that year, that half a year in Kyoto was magical and just experienced so much. And the tie-in, I guess, with matcha is I had a student that came in and she came in with matcha and showed me and performed kind of a, a low-key tea ceremony and or prepared much for me and she and then I learned that her family was like this multi-generational tea farm award-winning tea farm oh wow (laughs) it was meant to be meant to be so I kind of walked away from that and thought there's something here I need to kind of tell their story and and this is such a good opportunity to keep my love of Japan alive when I return to Australia 
but yeah, like it, it's taken a while to get to where I am now. I did have an idea of, you know, opening a desserts cafe and much of tea and desserts because that's what I love doing over there. But then I, I hadn't it hadn't got any experience in uh, hospitality and still don't. So it was a bit scary to, to think about doing that. So I, I just shelved that idea and then fast forward, I decided to do the online, you know, tea sales and markets and things like that. Wow, that's really cool. And I love the point that you made there about pushing through that fear. Yes. And having six months away to, to step up and, and move overseas to do something which is for, for many of us seems so so extreme. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really, yeah, to, to step into your fear and do that. Imagine if you hadn't, where would you be now? It's, it would have been a very different path, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I guess I probably would have had regret because what pushed me over the edge to make that decision was I was turning 30, I think, the following year. So I kind of had to make a decision. Otherwise, I would have missed out on that working holiday visa opportunity. So, ah, yeah, that I really, <laughs> I had to make that decision. But I remember being at the airport and saying goodbye to my husband. Like I probably, I t- think about it and tear up now because I was just saying goodbye at that point at customs where, you know, he couldn't go any further and I was just so distraught. I remember just, you know, walking to the gate in tears and people must have thought, what is going on? You know, <laughs> But I was just so upset and, and I guess all the emotions of have I done the right thing? Is this, you know, should I just turn back? But I got on that yeah. plane and I did it and I'm just so grateful that I did it. And anyone that's out there that's thinking of doing like a, a stint work, uh, working or living overseas, I say do it because it's so enriching and amazing maybe after COVID. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's such an amazing thing to do in your life and why not? Like what's, what's stopping you, you know, b- besides your fear? You can make it happen. That's right. And I, I know Kingsley and I quite often have this conversation that if we had our time again, we would love to have actually yeah. lived overseas and worked overseas for a while. But I think we just got in our head that you need to follow that very traditional path of you go to school, you go to uni, you then get a job and you work your way up the corporate ladder and that's what you do rather than taking time off to go overseas. And I I wish I had it, but having said that, we wouldn't be where we are now. I mean, everything happens for a reason. So we'll have our time soon. Yeah, Yeah, and there's always holidays to keep you you inspired. (laughs) Very much so. And I just want to draw on the point that you mentioned there. You could have gone down the path of having a dessert cafe, but you said that you had no hospitality experience. What was it that was that deciding factor for you to to move online versus create uh, your own cafe? your dessert cafe yeah sure well it's actually well when I was looking into it I returned back to Australia in 2011 and I actually thought that the market was probably not ready for much uh, Mm. that as uh, cliche but as much or pun pun sorry as much (laughs) as I thought it would be it was still very niche and I thought I'm gonna go even more niche if I do a desserts cafe Mm -hmm. so I I just didn't feel like it was a solid enough idea to put a lot of you know there's risk like you know remortgage our place and and put all this kind of time effort and and money into this idea if I was a bit unsure of it being you know, the right point in time for that to happen. Of course. Yeah, Yeah, so I thought, look, I'll just shelve that for now and continue, you know, 
on with my life and yeah I think it was the right call like now it would be fine in the last couple of years I've seen this same thing kind of pop up and whether it's a Japanese chain that have come to Australia to do it or whether it's an idea that's being you know developed locally but I am not you know I don't regret that I think it just helps more people in you know enjoy and and experience matcha because they are getting more familiar with it. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose 2020 probably wasn't the time to have one either. <laughs> oh, no. Like I feel for those businesses. I just yeah. think I'm so lucky that mine was just an e-commerce online business because mm-hmm. really there's there hasn't been a lot of major impact. It's actually been positive impact because people have, have switched to that online shopping mentality. So I really, and also looking for things that are going to keep them healthy. So I'm really well positioned and I'm very grateful for that. But I feel for all those other businesses that have had to have, you know, made some real, I've had to make some really tough decisions this year. And I really hope that people will support them now, you know, that things are easing up, particularly here in Melbourne. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. I completely agree with that. (laughs) I'd love to go just back to around the very beginning of your, your idea for your business. Yes. How did you, so you sat down, you had your ceremonial um, or your tea ceremony or the mm. bit that you're staying with, made the youth matcha tea. And then how did you go, okay, this is what I'm going to do and where did you go from there? Yeah, sure. Uh, so we just kept in touch, the lady and who was my student, and we just kept in touch over the years. And I think she was always keen to explore, you know, export opportunities in Australia and around the world. But she, I guess the English language barrier, she speaks English very well, but, you know, I guess, and also not living in those countries, she was looking perhaps to me for a bit of a a way to, you know, have her much made available in Australia. So Mm -hmm. I... You know, I just started thinking, yeah, it's probably oh, when I was on maternity leave, actually, four years ago, I started working on the idea to run it as an online platform. And I decided to test the waters first with a crowdfunding campaign. So I did a possible crowdfunding campaign to get a bunch of pre-orders and just to see if it was financially viable before I dove right in. Mm-hmm. And that was great because that was successful and that really pushed me you know into gear to start the whole business yeah yeah right it's a really interesting way of doing it with a crowdfunding campaign so that was essentially just to to gain pre-orders before you then actually stepped into to making that big decision and, and launching your business is that right that's right yeah and I do there's a an accessory tea making accessory that she offers the lady in Japan which I um, distribute here in Australia it's a tea shaker and, and it, it removes that barrier of like people thinking that making matcha is complicated and you need a bamboo yeah. whisk and you need the tea ceremony you know all those bits and pieces and it's just a simple device that you just add the water and the matcha and you shake it and it's frothy you know it's it's enjoyable straight away so I guess that device wasn't available in Australia prior to me and it still isn't like I'm the only distributor of it and I wanted to see whether the crowdfunding, whether people were interested in something like that. So that's another, it was kind of, uh, yeah, a bit of research on the product design side, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's so interesting because <laughs> I know quite often when I think of that matcha tea, it is very much that traditional ceremonial, everyone's sitting down very nicely yeah. and taking it a long time to make it. And that's obviously one aspect of it. It's not something that I would assume to be, 
something that you can create instead of drink on the go. So yeah. it's really interesting that you were able to overcome that barrier and educate people around that. Because so I think a lot of time when people are wanting to create a business, they've got this fantastic idea, but there's that gap that they need to overcome between where the market currently is and where you need to get them to. So that's interesting that you're able to use that product and through the crowdfunding campaign to really bridge that gap to, to bring it to the Australian market. So I think that's amazing oh, that you've done that. You. Very yeah. different. <laughs> yeah, and it's a continual con- like education piece. You know, I, I live in the world of matcha, so I've got to sometimes mm. step out, step outside of that and realise that some people have never heard of it, some people are just brand new to it, some people don't even know what to do with it or how to store it or how to make it. So it's all like a continual education piece, which I love and I, I love, you know, making it easy for people to enjoy because I really getting the customer feedback that I get it's just it makes me so happy because people are really noticing differences in their life because it sounds crazy because it's only it's only a tea but it's so much more than that because you know people drink coffee to stay alert but then there's you know sometimes side effects to that much as the same you can drink it to, to wake you up to keep alert to to make you feel calm to you know make you feel like you're your skin and your your everything's kind of not aging as much as you want it to and if you've got children like just to keep you going like you know I always reach for my afternoon matcha when I you know (laughs) a day of challenges yeah so there's so many reasons why people are, are really benefiting from it and that's at the end of the day that's makes me so much it makes it well worthwhile I guess is what I'm trying to say (laughs) yeah that sounds so great so just diving into the benefits of it for a second so how is it different to normal tea because I it's funny you talk about the education side of things and both you and Amanda have done Japanese in your your studies mm. I haven't so the first time I saw matcha was in a ice cream oh, yeah. <laughs> and I just thought oh that's really green is that just another way of saying green and then I find out uh, it's it's like a it's a superfood or that's that's yeah, how it's described to me how I know yes. it so how how is it a, a superfood oh for sure so it, comparing it to regular green tea it has over a hundred times more the antioxidant content, and there's two reasons why. So, as I mentioned in the uh, a little while back, the way it's grown, so the way it's like the shade cloth, uh, the shade cloth grown tea, it you know increases chlorophyll, and it, it means all the amino acids increase, and so there's a real, really special kind of thing happening there with the shade cloth growing aspect. And it makes, yeah, it makes it a superfood at that point, I guess, with the the leaves being of optimum quality. And then, yeah, the way it's consumed is the other aspect. So with other green tea, you brew the tea, you discard the tea bag or the leaves. Matcha, the powder, that is the tea leaves. So you're consuming it all. You don't throw it away. And all those Mm. benefits are reaped because of that. You're not throwing away all that good stuff. So they're the two main aspects why it's amazing as far as comparing it to other green tea. It, d- it just doesn't even compare. And it's there's, you know, lots of things online, but charts that show you it's way more, you know, antioxidant rich than all those other common superfoods that we know out there, like goji berries, blueberries, broccoli, spinach. You know, it's just got so many vitamins in it. 
yeah, there's a whole host of things that, it, that it, you know, it's got going for it. Yeah, well, it sounds, sounds like definitely a superfood that we need to include in our yeah. you know, daily smoothies. For sure, yeah, yeah it's yeah. great for smoothies. Right. That's right, yeah. Yeah, or pancakes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pancakes can, and ice cream. Ice can... cream is the best, yes. <laughs> I don't know how uh, much antioxidant context one should, you know, no. put into an ice cream, but, but, hey, it's still probably better than the Maybe it's neutralising the, uh, <laughs> yeah. everything else that's going exactly. on in there. Exactly. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention, though, it, it Apparently, with I, I recently learned, which is very interesting, that milk, combining it with milk, like a cow-based cow milk, what I'm trying to say, not a plant-based dairy. Milk, yep. a, a dairy, <laughs> yeah, dairy, it actually reduces the effectiveness of the, the health benefits that I'm talking about. So wow. it's recommended if you have it, have it straight up with water or have a plant-based milk with it, and that will ensure that the antioxidant content doesn't get um, messed with at all. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Didn't know that one either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> All right. Well, I'd love to, to ca- go back to the business side of things for a moment. Sure. And I know something that a lot of people come up when they, come up against when they're starting their own business or even when they've been in business for a while is they hit these challenges or roadblocks along the way and if they haven't done a lot of uh, mindset work and gotten really strong in their their why and what's holding them to the business, they can be quite quick just to throw their hands up in the air and go, no, that's it, and walk it away. Mm. And I'm sure you've had your fair share of challenges or adversity along the way. So how do you overcome those? Like, How do you deal with it personally in your business? Oh, it's such a good question. Yeah, I do. I have those quite regularly, the self-doubt, the self-sabotage, mm. the anxiety, the worry of like, you know, paying bills and things like this. And yeah. and and then you think, oh, is it all worth it? Like have I sacrificed so much at the expense of, you know, relationships and family and and finances and everything. So yeah, it's it's a very real real reality every day. I th- think sometimes you have to just really push it away. I found even just in the last week I've been meditating and mm. I'm really enjoying it because my mind just races and I've got all these ideas going on in my head and I just need to be still and to start the morning you know I guess my anxiety I I, I have mild anxiety and it only really comes up first thing in the morning through the day I can kind of put it at bay but I find in the morning that tightness in the chest or you know the worry of what's coming ahead I guess in the day so the meditation first thing in the morning has really helped me manage that and yeah just to continue to tell yourself that it's worth kind of all the blood sweat and tears that you're putting into it Mm -hmm. I have a great bet my best friend she's she runs her own business as well and she's so good when I'm having those moments of doubt she talks me through it and ensures me to you know think look at the positives look at the what I've done so far and and just to really hold in there and hang in there so yeah having a good you know even if it's just one person that you can confide all those fears in uh, is so important and also the meditation I really have been enjoying and exercise they're all the cliche things that you hear about that you should do <laughs> but they're so true it's so true <laughs> yeah like you, you your head just even to take half an hour and go for a bike ride or something you think oh I don't have half an hour I've got to do all this stuff it's worth its weight in gold because you're so much more productive after it and I'm sure your um 
aware of this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. I'm aware of it, but do I do it all the time? Yeah, <laughs> not no, so we much. Don't. We don't, no. and particularly in COVID, you know, when we've had to be inside a lot, and you just you just work work because you can because it's there and you're not taking those breaks so I've just I did get quite a bit burned out over the last few months so I've just got to be really mindful to to change some things and and yeah so because your health's number one and I've been thinking about recently you know I'm selling an amazing superfood to help you feel healthy so it's quite ironic that I'm feeling this way so I need to really make sure that I practice what I preach I guess (laughs) yeah and I've I've encountered exactly the same thing with a lot of people that I've spoken to who do have their own health or wellness business is that there they are selling what is to be the answer to good health and yet the actions that the person's taking, they get so caught up in their own business and Mm. that's just how we are naturally. (laughs) We're so ambitious and so energetic and so excited about our business that we spend a lot of time focusing on that and then our health falls by the wayside. So it seems kind of ironic (laughs) that happens, but it it is something that I'm personally working on a lot myself, making sure that I am making time for um, starting off my day right. Like Mm. you mentioned, meditation and it hasn't happened so much with a oh, newborn with a baby. baby. Yeah. <laughs> Makes it a little bit hard. I My mornings it. are I not mine it. at the moment. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I'd love to get to a point where I'm, I'm waking up um, feeling refreshed and being able to, to focus on those things that are getting my mind in that right place like you're doing so you can then start the day feeling in control, not stressed out, and as though you're ready to really take it on and face any anything that comes your way, which is um, the best way of being able to do it. Most definitely, yes. <laughs> so while we're talking about challenges, I'd love to know if there's one really big sort of failure or anything like that that you can attribute your success to. Because I know quite often people go, oh, this is my massive failure and that's the point that they're ready to give up. But yes. I'd love to show them that even if you have a massive failure, quite often that can be the turning point to really um, turn your business around and lead to your success and where it is today. So is there anything like that that's occurred for you? Yeah, I guess around this time last year, kind of heading into or around Christmas because it gets so crazy with, you know, e-commerce and everything and mm-hmm. trying to do all the things and prepare. And I probably got burned out as well. And I, again, it was about the two-year point of running the business. And I know that's from what I hear is quite a common point where people may give up and I just yeah I real those self you know don't self self-doubting thoughts and self-sabotage that I mentioned before that was amplified and I just didn't know if I could get out of it this time and I just just didn't I just felt like yeah throwing my hands in the air and going is it all worth it you know and you look you look at things financially, you think, oh, what have I done? Like, where's that money gone and everything mm-hmm. because you're reinvesting all the time. And, and you know, again, my my good friend, you know, I confided all these thoughts with her and she said, you know, two years, that's, that's such a common point where people give up. And if you push through that two-year point, you will you will see the change and you won't regret it, you know. And I did. I, I pushed on and she's right. Like the, the last year has been the best performing year and the, the year where I've done, you know, so many things and tried new things like podcasts and TV interviews and, yeah, well <laughs> and managed, managed to get through COVID and keep the business intact and all that. So, yeah, I think definitely if, if businesses out there are getting to that two-year point and just feel very frustrated or worried you know that they 
they don't have it in them to continue just to hang in there because that's that's the thing. The businesses that, that succeed are often not overnight, you know, success businesses. They've just been bubbling away for a couple of years and then when you hear about them, you think, oh, wow, they've just come onto the scene. But actually yeah. there's been a lot of hard work and a lot of doubt and probably a lot of, you know, oh, should I throw this in? So I think, yeah, just hang in there if you can and seek some guidance. I've done some, you know, online courses and things just to keep me on track when you feel a bit overwhelmed just to, you know, and have a community. Often those online courses, you know, you have coaching calls and things like that. So I would recommend to to build that business community. The women's business community is amazing. So yeah, that's kind of how I got through that, I guess, support yeah. and just hanging in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it, isn't it? I've quite recently, I've heard numerous times about the, the five-year overnight success. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's been bubbling in the background for many, many years. It's just that we're finally hearing about it now. Exactly. So, it is so true. <laughs> and, you think, and you think of the alternative. Like I think if I gave up, how would I feel? I'd be devastated because it's such a as a, as you can you know tell it's it's such a passion to talk about Japanese and a privilege mm. to talk about Japanese culture every day it's my way of being connected to the country without being able to live there you know and to give that up would be heartbreaking so I'm like no no I've got to keep going and also all the customers that I would let down because they've enjoyed my product like I just I couldn't do that to them you know so yeah it's so You're worth it and, community and when you're having bad days to be honest like I get an email with a customer review and it just makes my day so anyone out there that ha- loves products that you buy especially from small business leave a review it means the world <laughs> that's so true it doesn't cost anything at all yeah. just a couple of minutes of your time but it really makes uh, their world exactly yeah well, and I just want to touch on the point that you've mentioned there about hitting a wall that two-year mark that you were really coming up, up against and I see this happen quite often even me just personally personal things in my life where I feel as though it almost is too hard and I'm ready just to throw in the towel and one of my mentors actually said to me it's that point that you get to where you know you're on the edge of a breakthrough so you just push past that wall it's hard (laughs) you can do it but just push past and then all of a sudden like you did the past year has been absolutely amazing in your business. So I think that's such a good point. Yeah, Don't give up then because <laughs> you that, will regret it. Exactly. That point challenges you to, you know, a point you've never been challenged before. But if you yeah. can just ride that out, then, yeah, you do see that you're, you've got what it takes. You've got kind of the guts and the the grunt, I guess, to, to get through. Yeah. Yeah. It's building up those qualities within you to yeah, ensure that you can then move on to that next to be, level. To be resilient. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Oh, I love that so much. So Erin, I'd, I'd really like to know what does the next chapter look like for you, for you and, and match you? Definitely a trip to Japan. Oh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> hanging for it. Well, I was planning to go in springtime next year, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. For the Cherry Blossom Festival. For the Is Cherry right? Blossoms. Oh, yeah, it's such a lovely nice. time to be in Japan. So we'll see. If we're allowed, I will go. <laughs> yes. And also, just as an opportunity to, it's a great chance to like record more content and just continue to tell that story and keep that connection with the tea farm over there mm. and the culture of drinking. So that's definitely a big part of, yeah, the next year. And also to, yeah, as I said, if the events open up again, to to get back onto that schedule of, you know, 
being involved in tea festivals and Japan festivals and things like that. I want to bring in some new products like matcha bowls and, yeah, do more collaborations with people and yeah, probably just all the things. Yeah, fantastic. (laughs) And to keep, you know, improving on uh, the way I tell the story through Facebook advertising and things like that. It's, It's sometimes really hard to know, you know, how to how to summarise, I guess, all the things in an ad or, you know, tell something compelling that makes people click and and learn more. So Mm. it's just continuing to educate on, you know, better ways to, to, you know, to stand out against the the crowd, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And business is always about up-leveling and growing, isn't it? If you you stop or if you become stagnant, then others are just going to come up and they're going to overtake for sure yeah yeah and I like to see it's a community as back to the education thing I think it's so good to just continue to 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 show people how great it is and to incorporate in your day it's not like I'm you know I've got a lot of contacts that I know that that do sell similar products or the same product but I feel like it's not competition because it's just helping the overall education piece of matcha and people decide Mm -hmm. you know to pick who they want to pick based on yeah, who they feel most comfortable with and, and who they get good quality tea from, I guess. So, yeah. yeah collaboration <laughs> over competition, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. It's a community. <laughs> yeah, great point. Great point. Now, there's there's already been a bit of gold throughout this whole podcast, but I'll touch on it again. Do you have any top three tips for anyone starting out, you know, thinking about getting into a side hustle? Oh, for sure. Yes. So, I've what I touch on, I guess, with the research. So a crowdfunding Mm. campaign is something, a a nice way to test the waters without that financial risk. And you can see what interest there is. If it's something that's, I guess, a little new to the market that you're not sure if people will, you know, be interested in. So that would be a good one. Or just do some market research, you know, in other ways. There's plenty of online, Mm -hmm. you know, tools out there and and you can access if, you know, finances are an issue, you can access like Small Business Vic or your local council. They do free workshops and things like this. So I would suggest to start there to build that community as well. Also, maybe don't give up your day job. (laughs) (laughs) So I I still have my day job and it's like I work three days a week for that day job. And I think I love it because it's I I work in the music industry. So that's another passion of mine. And I love, yeah, I love having that job as well as the much a business. And a lot of people, you know, probably think, oh, you shouldn't tell people that you have a part-time job, but it's the reality. So in the beginning, I would say keep that job if you can manage it and just so you don't have that financial stress to start the side hustle and you can really remove that barrier, I guess, you know, if you're not looking for it to pay your bills, you know, for the first couple of years, you can really approach the side hustle with passion and joy and not worry about finances. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. That's such a big one because, yeah, you yeah. go into your own passion project because you are passionate about it. You don't want it to turn into this thing that you start the dreading. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Like I've got to make jobs. money. I've got to make money, you know, that worry. Right. So I think, yeah, having a, a safety net is a nice uh, thing to do. Yeah. People can sense it as well when it comes. Sorry to cut you off. I was oh, going to no, say no. people people can sense it when you're you're coming from a place of desperation that I need this sale to pay my next bill rather That's than right. I yeah. want to help you with what I'm doing. I want to serve. It's a completely different mindset. Exactly, and it also just shows you know there's nothing wrong in having more than one job if you can manage it. It just it allows mm. you to you know your 
creative creativity to be used in different ways and you always learn things from you know whatever path you take so and the third tip hmm perhaps just what I've mentioned before the organization as I didn't mention that with the wellness the, the meditation and the exercise is really important to stay you know, to reduce burnout. Yeah, look after <laughs> your own health. The organisation, yeah. <laughs> like I only discovered like, there's online kind of task management programs like Monday and I, I use Asana and it's just great one-stop shop to put all the ideas in your head, even, even if it's not on, you know, an online platform or anything, you can just put it in a journal at night just to kind of, so you don't forget things and then you can prioritise what tasks you want to get through. Yeah, so, yeah, so true. I've got Getting to get those ideas I, out of your head. Yeah, <laughs> organization's hard for me because I feel like I'm organized, but then I'm not that great at forward planning. So, because you feel like you're always in the here and now and just doing what you need to get done. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. a bit of forward planning is great. So, if you're in e commerce or wherever, it's great to just map out your year with like seasonal promotions and content, maybe have a content planning day every, every month. Uh, I say all these things, but they never happen. <laughs> but the, the intention is there. So, yeah, hopefully that will help someone out there. Definitely. Because as a small business, you get so caught up working in the business, yeah, doing the everyday grind, exactly, that you don't exactly. spend that much time actually sort of stepping back and then working on it to strategize exactly. and, and goal plan. Set, goal setting and That's all right. of that. Exactly. And it is such an important part of it too. For yeah. sure. Yeah, just to feel like you're getting somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Erin, I'd love to share with everyone, how can people find you? Where can they find you online? Oh, definitely. So my website is www.muchau, which is Y-U-T.com. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram with those same handles, MuchaUT and YouTube, I think. So yeah, any of those would be um, fine. You can check us out there. Beautiful. I will definitely pop that into the show notes so people can find you. Wonderful. Well, it has been absolutely amazing chatting with you today and getting a, a much education because <laughs> I know I like as much it. as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so it has been lovely having you on and I'm sure our listeners have uh, received so much value from not only the, the product side of things and all about uh, matcha and a little insight in, into Japan, but also around the the bits of gold that you have around starting up your own business and what's kept you uh, moving forward over these years. Oh, thank you. I really hope so. Thanks so much for your time. <laughs> Thanks, Erin. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. If you've loved what you've heard so far, hit subscribe so you're first to know when the next episode drops. See you next time.